podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. edition of the Terra Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns and I have with me today a man known in certain football circles for his ability to manipulate stats. Maybe not manipulate them, just put them out there in an informative way and to uh, put together a decent quiz. And that is Craig Anderson. Hello. And also with me is another man who is pretty good with stats and can also put together a mean quiz and it's Tom Watt. <laughs> Hello. And today we're just going to go through our usual Premiership roundup, um, and we're going to start with what's been described as the game of the season so far, and it was Celtic four, Hibs two. Uh, Celtic seem to get be getting back in a full swing now. They had gone seven or eight games not scoring more than a goal in any of those individual games, and now they've just battered ten past their last two opponents. Yeah, they just um, they seem to have the flow back a little bit. I thought it was interesting. Rodgers came out after the game and even though he was effusive about the performance, he was kind of saying he was almost still, even though the crisis isn't on anymore, they, he was still kind of trying to get a wee dig into the board and saying they hadn't progressed in the summer of stood still. But on that performance, I mean, standing still from what they were at last season is almost acceptable because they were very good last season. They won the league comfortably last season. And if they play like that this season, they'll probably win the league again. They hadn't even reached the heights of last season until now, but but yesterday was kind of, or sorry, Saturday was kind of the Celtic that we saw so much of last year. They were still a bit fragile. They still conceded uh, the the two goals. They weren't the the invincibles of the season before, but they had a vibrancy and they had a flow to their game, and they actually looked like a team who are kind of maybe on the cusp of kind of putting a big run together, which is what they need. I think that's certainly true. I also think they're slight. It's almost difficult to tell just how. Back they are because you know a couple of weeks ago St Johnson were absolutely rotten and Hibs started with a back three that they never looked remotely comfortable with and were two goals down before they found any kind of and you could see certainly the first the first two Celtic goals of the defence didn't really know what they were doing so there, how much of that was down to Hibs having to play a back three that they weren't expecting to uh, and the injury um, right back that caused them to be a bit more lopsided. But um, and they could have easily been more down at that point. It, mm-hmm. they, they looked all at sea. Yeah, there was the Edward chance at nil nil. I think it was as well. But you're right. I mean, some of it was forced by injury. I think mm-hmm. um, David Gray being out yeah. and the likes. Um, I think it, I think it says a lot about um, how Whitaker started the season. Yeah, they have to call that right back, and they just still keep him on the pinch. Yeah, but um, it was. It seemed like some of it was still. Kind of like almost needless tinkering, mm-hmm. like the kind of thing that we've seen from Derek McInnes uh, every now and again. Um, Horgan was, I think, I think you can get away with playing a midfielder or a winger at one of your wing back positions if the other one is more natural. I think we've seen that from the likes of Celtic and, and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, moving Stevenson into left centre back, he didn't look comfortable. Um, and plus it was um, McGregor, I don't think he's even played much football recently, so um, yeah, there, there was a huge improvement when about 
towards the end of the second half, I can't remember. Sorry, towards the end of the first half, I can't remember exactly the the time. But they dropped Milligan, who again is not centre half, but they dropped him back into the centre defence, and they went to the diamond that they um, had played against Hamilton, and they instantly looked better. And Boyle um, pulled out that world class save from uh, from Gordon. It really was a top save. Yeah, I mean Gordon. That's that's what you get from him. He's kind of maybe been off off form in all set parts of his game but in terms of being a shot stopper he's, I mean him and McGregor are both just so good at it that we're so blessed at the moment to have two keepers for Scotland that are just so good at pulling off big saves and Gordon that, that's a huge save in the context of the game because if that one goes in it gives Hibs kind of a platform and of course it did go on and score later but it just you feel at that point in the game when they were just starting to get back into it it could have made all the difference Yeah I mean, and I think Coming back to the, the points about the, um, the the Rogers made previously about about them standing still, I think there's, it was really interesting what both managers were saying afterwards. Interesting to see if there's any kind of blowback on Lennon, who I think made one point that might get him in hot water and one that didn't get the headlines, but was actually a, a very fairly valid point. Um, I think the the you know saying we're up against twelve men is never going to go down too well, but who knows? Because Steve Clark got hauled up for it. Gerard and McGinnis Gerard hadn't been. Yeah. Um, who knows what what happened there? But his his uh, I thought it was valid that uh, him questioning whether um, any whether Rogers would get um, the same questions on on the, the bust up at the end. I think uh, it's a bit of tempers flaring and and it's an easy question to get to Lennon and I think he handled it very well. Still no idea what happened. The footage just shows um, when it cuts to the end of the benches at the end of the game. Uh, even if you watch the full match, it just shows you Lennon and Rogers shake hands, and then Lennon kind of walks past David Davis Davis Davies, and he doesn't shake his hand, and he just points at he just points at him, and there's nothing too like. But I, I don't know. Obviously, the incidents happened before that, so we don't know exactly what's happened. And Lennon refused to answer it because, quite rightly, he asked the journalists, "Well, what did Brendan say about it?" And they couldn't answer because they they, they hadn't asked them. And I think, I mean, that's certainly the case that someone, Rogers, people people won't ask him hard questions because they are too kind of in, kind of kowtowing to him a bit too much. And that's something which never, even when Lennon was Celtic manager in the same position, they would never have acted in the same way towards him. And I think there is that sense of, they know they'll get a good line out of Lennon, whereas they know Rogers is more likely to just kind of get rid of them and just kind of mm-hmm. say don't don't bring that guy back in to talk to me and we know Rogers has had run-ins with several journalists in England and we certainly consider very unpopular with journalists down there who are probably less craven in that respect apart from apart from uh, Duncan Castles towards Mourinho um, <laughs> it must be the most ridiculous behaviour of all time by any journalist but um, <laughs> why, that, sorry that, that just had to come out at some yeah, point fine, it's, uh, absolutely accurate um, but yeah, I think I think in terms of all that stuff, I think it's one of these things that is a mountain out of a molehill situation. Anyway, the yeah. guys involved will forget about it five minutes later. As with almost every bust up in football, it's the there, moment there's, thing, no, isn't there's it? no malice in it. It can be on the park, it can be off the park. You can usually tell when it and it's more festers because when it festers, the managers are usually straight out to talk about it unprompted. Um, Even the so-called shame game was kind of blown way out of proportion well, you could what that, it actually was. Like Lennon and McCoy, have always got the impression actually get on fine. Yeah, like, I, I don't yeah, think there's yeah. actually any... Played it down since. Yeah, anyway, I think we should talk about um, Celtic a bit 
before we move on to the next game, it was obviously like a cracking performance off the back of a, a great win against St Johnston as well. Quite a few uh, good individual performances. Benkovic had a really good game. Rogic was, as usual, fantastic self. Not quite as good as he was against St Johnston, but he was he was flying in that game. But uh, player for uh, player of the match, man of the match, I think it's called Craig. Um, and this game for me was Odson Edward. I just thought he was unbelievable. That flick for his second goal was in the build up to it was just sublime. And he not only scored twice, he hit the woodwork. I know you don't get any points for hitting the hitting the post, but uh, still could have had uh, a few more on the day as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought at the start of the season it was crazy money to pay for a player that ne- wouldn't necessarily give a huge return on investment, you know, the way that finding a four or five million pound player might turn out a 20 million pound player. And he had really big shoes to fill with the value. But it does look like he's getting a bit of consistency to his game and it doesn't. Look, it looks like there's a lot more to him than what we saw last season, like he he had, like he he bullied Rangers. Um, he he could lead the line. He could play with his back to goal. You know, lots of things we we knew he was pacey and powerful and all these things. But there's an awful lot more, um, much more dynamic to uh, stuff to this game. He's much more technical. He and he looks like he's progressing, even though you know we're we're talking about a very small time time frame. He he looks like he's bringing other players in and. I think he's what's clicked that's meant they've scored 10 goals in the last two. You know, other players have played well. Celtic have been playing fine for most of this season with, you know, with a couple of hiccups here and there. But I think he is what's clicked and it's meant that everyone round about him is now opening things up. Mm-hmm. Him and him and James Forrest. Yeah, the problem wasn't the defence before, it was it was the attack. And yeah, definitely. And for, Forrest is a good point because uh, yeah, Forrest hadn't scored... Uh, or done much since very early in the season and yeah he's been excellent in the last two performances anything to add about not just to say I think Edward that's, that's, the, that's what you pay £9 million for that's if you're not getting that kind of performances you're worried he's a young player so he'll be inconsistent but he needs more of those as the season goes on and West of the type that he was kind of turning out at the start Another player who could have a big price tag on him in the near future is uh, Alfredo Morelos. Um, well, not if you listen to some pundits, though they think he's an absolute mince. But that's what, um, I think, 30 goals now he scored for Rangers since he arrived. Um, he is almost a goal every two games or something along those lines. And uh, yeah, he was involved in a couple other goals this weekend. Although that was a bit of a, a bizarre result. The result versus performance doesn't quite match up, uh, even admitted by Gerard after the match. Yeah, I think I watched that game and I thought Hamilton doing quite well here. They they obviously conceded the goal, which at the time of it and the way they conceded it would have been very frustrating, I think, for Cannon. And then when I was thinking, okay, it's going to be one now and it'll be a bit of a hard luck story here. But when they scored, I was like, you know what, they've actually probably merited... I wouldn't say if they lost, you would say it was undeserved. But I would say that when they got when they equalised, you're like probably a decent value for that for a point if they got it. Um, but yeah, they just just to switch off almost immediately after scoring is just so um, criminal. Um, but in general, I feel like they'll come away even though they lost with more positives than negatives out of it because their passing was crisp. They were looked so much better than I've seen them in a long time and. Everything from back to front really worked, and I thought when they um, when they took off Brustad and put on on Bingham, it added a wee bit extra element to them. And obviously, Bingham goes through spells; they had a very inconsistent player, but they just looked like like a good team. Um, Rangers again, 
like I, I think strength and depth is a bit of an issue for them that when they lose players like that Rossiter came in the team didn't know he was playing for most of it just that it wasn't it's like bad horrendous time with injuries so it can it'd be quite tough uh, of course it. it is but it's just like he's meant to be the type of player that dictates a game and you're just mm. watching him and thinking like like I genuinely I was I was kind of I'd uh, missed the start of the game so I was like watching the game and trying to actually work out who the Rangers team was and I'd recorded it so I couldn't look it up on my phone to see who the team was because that would despoil the score for me so I was like watching it and trying to work out who um, <laughs> you know who was playing and I got I got Hamilton's 11 and then I was looking at Rangers and I had the 10 names and then I was like don't know who it is and it did take me until about the 40th minute to realise it was Rossiter that was playing and that area of the park Iyari's um, good Kent's been playing very well but that kind of central part when they lose Jack when they lose Arfield there is a big hole I think I would, I would agree with almost all that I think it was a weird it was a weird game when of uh, Rangers at 1-0 up probably deserved to be 1-0 up and, and Hamilton didn't really deserve uh, but weird perversely Hamilton didn't really deserve to be behind like Darry McKinnon had a really good chance um, the, there was a there was one that Alan McGregor dropped had dropped in front of him uncharacteristically. That you know they had a couple of really really good chances, um, and then they score and it 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 did the, the sort of standard. I mean, you could I guess you could say this is different to what the Rangers of last season when they would have shot themselves and um, it would all have opened up, but they they didn't. They rolled their sleeves up and they didn't have to try very hard. And the four one absolutely completely flattered them, not least because it was a very very soft penalty. The 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 second one, um, but I think Gerard can probably take a bit of a bit of a positivity from the fact that they didn't panic when they would have previously when they were playing a Hamilton side who looked decent, who controlled possession for large parts, um, who looked solid enough for. 70 minutes, 80 minutes um, and put them under a fair bit of pressure um, I, I think if you didn't know who the two teams were that were involved I think you would say that the the, the, the triumphant manager would be very happy with the, the Yeah, result. I think that's fair because um, I mean, even though it sounds like we're, we're speaking a bit negatively about Rangers um, I mean, their the manager did um, they, they, say himself they were average all they in that game is going out to win like they've got yeah. a game in midweek and they just want to rotate yeah I mean win. he said a couple of interesting things he said he thought they were average at best he said at 1-1 he was kind of thinking whether he should have bothered making the changes that he did because clearly he's trying to rotate to kind of give players rest before big games like Spartak Moscow and that kind of thing um, but I think you make a good point there Tom about um Rangers of the past of the past few seasons, they they wouldn't have won that game. That they they were more likely to lose after yeah. they conceded. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, but we'll talk about the penalty decisions. You kind of alluded to one of them there. Um, Mark, we don't need to talk about the second one. It's just definitely a trip and definitely a penalty. He's, uh, Penny's just clumsy, but uh, I see, I, I don't think as much. Do you think so? But he has clipped. He has clipped I his ankle. Guess. You can see it from that from uh, the. The, the angle that's behind the players, um, he's it's one of those ones where yes, the the, the striker may be playing for I'd it. Say I don't think I don't think there's any dive involved from Morelos. No. I think I think but he's run across him. Really. He's known that he knows where Penny is. He knows that there's a chance that he could even just accidentally clip his clip his heel. And I think that's what happens. I think I think it's not that you would say that's not a penalty. It's just that I think. People like saying it's a small penalty. I don't really agree. I think it, I think it would have been easier not to give. 
to be honest, in that situation and just to say, you know, it's a, it's a brush against him rather than a kind of full trip, even though it probably was enough to put him off balance. It's kind of an odd one. I don't think you'd say it's not a penalty, but I think if you've just given a penalty, it'd have been easy just to wave away. And uh, what, what, what were we thinking about the the first one then, just, Tom? You were saying that, what was your justification for thinking it was harsh? Did you say soft? I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was soft. I mean, I, I'm going to sound like your dad a little here. Um, <laughs> it, and I think there are occasions when it, we're, we're all too quick to say it was either a foul or a, or a dive. And there are, I, I think we're, we should be much more open with just saying that it, it's neither, it's not, it's, it's nothing. Just get on with it. Um, I... I I don't know. I, I thought they were they were soft, but I, I think that on merit the team that deserved to win won. I think the I first one Pen, Penny leans down towards the ball, and it looks for all the world to be a penalty, and the referee doesn't have the kind of ability to actually like look and see. Well, maybe it hits off his shoulder and then his knee. It looks as if he leans down into the ball and hits it with his arm. That's why I thought the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell are you doing?" He he's a guy who. Looks like a bomb scare, but it actually had an okay game up until yeah. then. And yeah, then, his manager still praised him after um, the game. Yeah, he just said it would be some mistakes that he would learn from. Yeah, but I, I, I thought that first one. It's hard to say it was definitely a penalty when you watch it back, but at the time you're like, yeah, it's a penalty. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was. I, I think there's not movement to. I, I don't know. I, I my my first reaction. I haven't watched it. I must admit, I've not watched it back more than once. But my first reaction was both penalties were a little soft. So the, the, the better team won. We know which team you support, don't we? Right, one team uh, <laughs> that definitely deserved to win was Livingston, who absolutely thumped Jim McIntyre's Dundee. Um, it's become quite a thing for Livingston over the last couple of seasons, but all three of their central defenders got on the score sheet. I mean, they don't usually do that, but they usually score a fair few during the, mat- uh, during the season. I think last season, uh, Halkett and Lithgow were their second and top second and third top scorers or something like that for the entire season um, one interesting stat I came across was after Livingston's first two goals and I hope this is true um, that had been 10 goals they had scored this season all by 10 different scorers mm-hmm. sounds right yeah, yeah. that does seem right actually because yeah they're not uh, their strikers haven't really chipped in that many Mingo so, got yeah, one yeah. against Rangers yeah um, but yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. I've, I've actually got um, almost as if you prompted it in my notes here, which is like we're hitting teams from all angles. Everything, mm-hmm. everyone's contributing. Their their goals are coming from they're hitting them with set pieces set, from all angles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All four goals <laughs> from a set piece, but but it's not always been set pieces. But no. they're, they're getting goals coming in from the left, from the right, through the middle, long balls, short passes, long range tap ins. It's like. It doesn't. It seems to be one of these teams that no matter what you you see how you know they see how they scored the goal last week and so you're like right well we need to stop them getting crosses in from the left and then all the crosses come into the right and they still beat you yeah, and it's kind of like um, it's like one of those bosses. Well, there was the one against who was it against where um, Lawless just fizzed it from outside the box so he just volleyed it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Mother- Motherwell was it? Was it Motherwell? Yeah. Um, but it's like a boss in a computer game where like you have to kind of. You know, you're trying to find all the find a way to get through their armory, and it doesn't seem to matter what you do. You think you've got it, and then like you know, a big claw just comes out and Learned bashes you in the head. Jacobs yeah. puts in uh, a free kick into the top corner. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, they're just, they're just um, we, we've kind of been effusive 
anyway about them. They're, they're just a, they're just a very good team and they're just very good to watch. I love watching. It's them. like Celtic two seasons ago. We're running out of things to say. Just so many positive, but they are. I love watching the way they play football. Is how if I was ever managing a team, how I would want my team to play football because they work for each other. There's not a shortage of skill, but there are. I think it would be fair. I think I would disagree to say that it's not built on quality it's built on um, percentage football yeah it's built on work rate and it's built on attitude and those are the things that I think are so underlooked in football teams and, and it's why you can contrast them so much with the other team where they're flat they're low in confidence they're not very good I, I, I was writing down here that Dundee have got no redeeming qualities at all I was watching that and I was like what What are Dundee doing here what What are they trying to do what How are they managed to get worse I mean, I know it's only one game, but um, I think uh, yeah, I know, but they were already pretty poor, and I mean, I'm not saying you can blame Mag there. He's only been in there for a, f- a few days, but and it, it doesn't just, have some, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes uh, you get um, a reaction from a team like that. It's like the pressure's lifted from so long of of uh, just things being the same and not working out, and just it's not even a freshness; it's just a relief of pressure. And sometimes you get a reaction, but it's just they got even worse. Then, yeah, I mean, they, for all the the, the credit we give Livingston rightly uh, Dundee had four shots on target uh, sorry uh, Livy had four shots on target and all four from set pieces and it was so basic well, it was they so get go with it's just yeah it's just so so basic and and you know for all of them complaining that Stephen McLean's getting a couple of weeks ago the Dundee right. supporters suggesting that there's some kind of conspiracy against them uh, and People shouldn't be getting. It costs Neil McCann's job. It costs Neil McCann's job. I mean, it, you almost feel for. You, there, there's almost. It's like that game almost gave Neil McCann some validation because, as bad as he has been and as terrible as they have been for so long, you see what he's been working with, and he's been trying to fashion some kind of, vaguely functioning unit out of just guys that. Couldn't give a shit. You think like you think they're just all over the place. Every for for every bit, the Livingston are like a team that have been forced because they played together. Most of the the three of the back, um, three of the defenders played together for three years. Um, The team look like they've they know each other inside out. They're they're fighting for each other. They're like far more than some of the parts. Dundee look like they're playing with seven players. Yeah, I think it's like McIntyre's coming in and he's got to basically do what he did when he took over at Ross County when he came in and took over from Adams and they were hopefully bottom of the league and um, McIntyre actually led them to top six that year. He, he just basically kept winning games. Um, the difference was when he took over that Ross County team, they were they were a good team who had just had some bad results and who had all fallen out with the manager and they had such good players in that squad. The squad he's inherited here are a mess. There's not quality there. I just don't think they've got... I think the squad is exactly where it deserves to be in terms of quality and that's so much harder because you're then relying on him being able to kind of work miracles with them and I'm just not sure that Jim McIntyre is a miracle working manager. No, I I think you could almost, it's not even, it's a bad squad, it's like how many of the championship squads are better than theirs at the moment? Six? Seven? I mean, they're they're a really poor squad. They've been put together hodgepodge over a number of years there are only a couple of players who should they go down and at the moment it looks like they will will stick around and I don't know how he fixes that quickly 
Uh, well, that was going to be that leads on to what my next question was going to be. Is there hope when it comes to January? Even would even a couple of additions would be enough to just stay in the league and then start again next season? It can be because you look at um, and we'll go on to talk about some Mirren, but they've recruited quite well since um, Kearney came in. The three players that he's signed, I think, have all improved the team. Dundee needs something similar. They need as basically to ship out anyone they can get rid of in January for. However, they can do it. They kind of fight, bite, scratch, whatever they have to do to get rid of essentially Livingston, anyone they Livingston can. Livingston their way out of it, and, and then and then uh, and then just bring in some new players and hopefully best. But that strategy can only it relies a lot on luck. Even if you identify good players, sometimes that's not enough. Like that's what they need to hope for, and also the fact that I think um, the two the three teams that are down there with them, Motherwell and Hamilton. And, and St Mirren although they all, all I think are better than Dundee they also have to hope that maybe one of them performs similarly poorly and then they've got a chance yeah I think yeah, there, there, there are two things in their favour one I think they will have some wriggle room at the very least for bringing in players in, in January and like recruitment has been slapdash but there has occasionally been someone that's done something over the last couple of years and there, there seems to be reasonable links um, to to uh, bring players in and the second one is far more risky there are some other shit teams in this league you know there are some, are some other teams that will struggle to put together huge amounts of no one's going to like Dundee could keep playing like this until January and they're not going to be too far adrift Kelly, mm. Kelly were rubbish for about three years and somehow we managed not to get relegated but, so well, it can yeah, happen like you just and as has been pointed out there's kind of like a there's kind of like a group of four at the bottom there that's turning into a mini league almost. Um, well, I mean, it was a great result for Livingston. I know we haven't praised them much there, and we focus on Dundee a bit more, but there'll be much more praise for Livingston in the in, in weeks in future, I'm sure. Uh, the Livy fans during this game were singing, uh, "You're you're getting sacked in the morning," which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Jim McIntyre, one guy who's definitely not going to be getting sacked in the morning is Craig Levine, as the famous Gorgie Boys once again. One, I sat in this very chair a couple of weeks ago, Craig, unless you've kind of moved them around, I'm not sure. Done. And I said it'll be interesting to see how Hearts bounce back from, have you seen how I've just got way more animated all of a sudden? Yeah. <laughs> how they bounce back from that uh, horrific defensive performance at uh, Ibrox. And they were dealt a couple of blows in the build-up to this with... Um, another three key players being ruled out with injury. One will be back pretty soon. All for five months. Oh, two for five months. Hanning is going to be back for the Dundee game, apparently, or he's a doubt for the Dundee game, but he should be okay. And if not, he should be fine for the semi-final. But yeah, so you're right. Um, Uche and Suit are out for five months. Uh, Haring was ruled out for this game as well. So there was a little bit of a worry going into this game, but luckily Aberdeen weren't up to much, especially in the first half. No, I, again, a, a really weird game because in the first half, uh, Hearts could have been like even further ahead than they were. Um, it was a really, I mean, a, a kind of chaotic game where Kevin Clancy didn't really ever seem to be in control or even sure who was on bookings. Who, like, it, you know, this sort of uh, let it all happen. Um, but in the first half, I thought our hearts were excellent. I thought that they would they would take a hit from from the injuries, uh, but they were really fluid. Um, Pretty poor defending for the the first goal from Aberdeen's point of view. Um, 
pretty soft penalty, but a, a weird, uh, a, another weird one where Hearts thoroughly deserved to win. Sh- could, could and sh- probably should have won more comfortably, but in the end, almost it took a really, really um, like an amazing save at, at the end to, to from Gary McKay Stephen to that there wasn't a it wasn't a draw. Really odd from a, an Aberdeen point of view that they just didn't turn up in the first half, and I think there's. I mean, the, the most. Let's deal with Hearts first, and I'll get on to. I've got yeah, a rant about this. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that the, everyone that came in for um, from Hearts' point of view was, you know, they looked very, very fluid. I mean, in the first half, I, I haven't seen every game they've played, but as good as I've seen them this season. It hurts the fact that they signed about ninety-five players in the summer. Kind of gives, them, <laughs> gives them a big advantage, and when they do these, we've in, done that before, and a lot of them have been pissed. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, they, but they lose these players through injury, and of course, it's two key players. It's arguably their two best performers yeah. this season. The, the dropout plus Haring, who is probably potentially their third best performer, but has be back sooner. But they are able to bring in Dickamona, who um, we talked about him before when he signed that his uh, record in the past was a bit ropey in terms of being constantly involved in teams that were losing all the time but he looked, he looked solid enough um, and then they've got options in attack so, so we saw McLean was playing right and Naismith up front but um, they've still got Craig Whiten who's not really had much um, involvement game, yet yeah. but it's the only, game, the only yeah. game I was going to say it now. I was just going to say the only game we didn't win, but we lost the eyebrows. So before that, it was the only game we didn't win. But it was only he started. But they, but they, they have that depth again because he brought in so many players. They've got Morrison um, chipping in there. They've still got people like Mulraney sitting. Presumably, if five right wing backs get injured, Mulraney might get back in there. They've just got a lot of depth, and it does help um, just by numbers that you're never really going to run out of. Um, run out of players <laughs> yeah I mean the one weak link was Godinho uh, but he was back after six months out or something like that, that yeah. and he was yeah he struggled a bit especially when McGinn came on in the second half well that the penalty um, I think was just given for his haircut though that's, that's <laughs> atrocious but um, yeah Hurst played very well um, Morrison you mentioned had a really good game Naismith was excellent Jimmy Dunn every Jimmy week Dunn, he's just yeah. unbelievable and uh, this is one of his better uh, probably probably his best performance and a heart shirt so far um, I mean Aberdeen were just really disappointing I thought um, well, I wanted to address the booking thing you said first actually there was a ton of bookings in the game it wasn't really a dirty game no. it was stopped every minute or so because of a foul and it was frustrating that it just kept getting stopped but it wasn't a feisty or a dirty game it just was a game with a ton of fouls and a ton of, a ton of yellow cards I thought and, and there didn't seem to be any, like you know I don't care about consistency is impossible but it did seem to be like people were being booked for you know a pull of the shirt for the first time when other things were being let go yeah, yeah. and it just didn't look like at any point Kevin Clancy had any kind of control over the game sometimes you get those games and it means that it boils over and and it didn't it didn't yeah and, and it didn't even really ever threatened to do that mm. it just looked like he he made a rod for his own back early on made a couple of decisions that he didn't really have like he looked like guesswork do you and, think he booked um, Devlin for dissent or do you think he actually thought it was him that had committed the foul <sighs> Because that's what it looked. I don't know. It looked like it was. Uh, to me, it looked like it, he thought he'd made the foul because he's accosted by um, three or four Aberdeen players when the penalty is given, and none of them do anything. Uh, I would say ridiculous. What the language of the ref was really bad when um, the Aberdeen players were complaining because he was backing away from them, and I think it just looks really weak. Even right. you give the decision, 
and you stick up for yourself and you hold your ground and the players the players know they won't get any closer to you. Mm. So just constantly backing away from them, you kinda look uh, these things players notice mm-hmm. when you you look like you're shitting, shitting yourself from them and they come up to you then they're going to keep coming up to you so you stand your ground and it just did look that was the first thing I noticed when I watched that game and watched that highlight and I was like what what are you doing like stand up for yourself and don't but the only, the only thing I would get guess that he didn't he didn't book um, uh, booking for descent was because he could have booked Shinny for descent at the same time he that's what I'm saying there's three, three or four of them there yeah yeah and and there were more incredulous players than, than Devlin. Uh, but, I don't know. It's very, <laughs> very curious. I think it was two decisions this weekend where normally I would be like, you, you don't need referees to come out and speak and explain their decisions because if he gives a penalty, why do you give a penalty? Because he thought it was a foul. Mm. But there was actually two decisions which was the... Um, Samirin disallowed goal, which we'll get on to, and I think mm-hmm. it's going to disallow You're desperate to go into this well, killing game. Of course I were winning. And... Uh, but that penalty, because it would actually be interesting to know what he gave it for. Yeah. Whether he gave it for some sort of foul by Ferguson or whether he gave it for a handball oh. by Ferguson. I think he thinks he bundled into the back. And that's what it looked like to me. And I didn't even consider but it. That, the ball. But that's what I wondered, because it definitely did come off his arm. And, and it, in that case, it would just be interesting to know what did he give. Right, yeah. Well, we should um, we should talk about Aberdeen a little bit. I know you want to go on a wee bit of a rant that you, you alluded to before. But for me, watching Aberdeen, I thought in the first half... Um, they they just didn't seem to have a plan or the plan that they implemented didn't work um, when they went long the ball wasn't sticking to either Cosgrove or, or Wilson and then they just lacked anybody in the midfield to kind of link defence to attack and then second half they bring on Wright and McGinn got a 4-2-3-1 and right away they had a couple more ball carriers uh, they had Wright, Willant drop deep and get it they had um, maybe they had identified the space in behind Gadinho, or that he was maybe a bit um, unfit or whatever, but they they exploited that, and I, I don't know, almost got something out of the game because of it. I, the The most frustrating thing with the last, I don't know, I mean, it, it, the the top six run and obviously finished the 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 season well last season, but I think the most frustrating from the last eighteen months is Derek McInnes's insistence on being reactive and playing his opponents. And when he had comfortably the second best squad in the league, he was only really playing his opponents against Celtic and it didn't go well. And then, you know, even when Rangers were playing really poorly, he was still playing Rangers. So he would set up to play a containing game and try and hit them on the counter-attack. And now there are five or four or five good sides that he thinks he has to play something more reactive and, and try and do something to, to, to combat them rather than setting out to go, right, well, you know, deal with this. And this season has been a re- one of the problems because he thinks that I've got, like Stevie Mays had a like, horrendous Aberdeen career, pretty much. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, he's shown in the past he's capable. Um, Bruce Anderson's been uh, shown that, you know, he, he can light up a game when he's come on. He's looked arguably the most fit and all-round attentive striker that, that, that Aberdeen have had this season. And, and and Wilson, you know, has obviously played at a, a decent level. But the insistence on playing Cosgrove just because there's this out-ball, but there's no point in playing this out-ball if you, you know, your second touch is trying to chase down a throw-in because it, it's ridiculous. And in the second half, he put on... 
the, the, the best the best football I've really never played under Derek McInnes was when he had Johnny Hayes and Alligan and Peter Pollock and Pollock was a limited player but the three of them could run yeah that and one season give, when he was fantastic was well, like, and, and, and all he did was take it and run it was like you know some sort of, an American football player all he did was take it and run and he would draw a foul or he would take you 60 yards up the pitch mm-hmm. couldn't really pass couldn't really cross didn't get on the end, couldn't finish well enough. But four two three one, and they had three options of runners and the, the, and someone that could finish. When he decides to to play that way, they've got Gary McKenzie. Like uh, Scott Wright is an, is a hugely talented player for twenty one twenty two, and when he's given a chance in the team, he seems to score quite a lot. Like he, he's got a, a, a hat trick a couple of seasons ago. Um, he can shoot from distance. He can cross with both feet, and he, he's that in, the, in a similar mold. And it's these are players that would certainly McGinn and certainly McAstephen would get into almost any team in the league. And there's a fear of letting the attacking players lose some people, rather that and instead it's playing this constrictive football where you've got Cosgrove as a long out ball and Don Ball who. To be fair to him, and this is pretty damning of Aberdeen's season, has been one of the better, more consistent players this season. Every time I see But they're not. Don, dynamic. Don Ball's name on the team sheet, I'm like, it's not going to go well here, Shabardin. It's nothing about yes. Don Ball. It's like, Don, Don Ball only seems to appear in order to play as like a fourth central midfielder alongside three other defenders that are playing in central midfield in a big game. It's like... Quite, the insistence on doing that every time it's like that that kind of idea like oh this hasn't worked the last 15 times I've done it against good opposition <laughs> but maybe the 16th time if I just play shinny ball and Considine in central midfield well, uh, it's going to work for me and it's strange seeing subs benches when you know they, they, they've had they've had a run of you know suspensions and, and injuries and decisions that haven't gone their way but it's incredibly frustrating to see games where there is now McGinn, who no one has assisted more goals in the, you know, in the top flight over the last X number of years. Sitting on the bench, Stephen May sitting on the bench, uh, Gleeson, who was meant, to, you know, an Irish international who was meant to be the, the fix to the midfield, sitting on the bench. It is insanity, <laughs> or frustrating. Anyway, that's I feel better for that. Yeah, we're probably going to go over now, but it was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> right. Anyway, we're back. <laughs> we're going to. Um, it was enjoyable, though. It was enjoyable. Well, Don't change. The, um, <laughs> we're going to move on to the next game. Kamarnak, four wins in a row. Gone behind in each one of them. Craig, is it too early to talk about a Kamarnak title challenge? Not too early. <laughs> I mean, I find myself like daring to think we're actually good enough. I don't, I'm not for a second saying Kelly are going to win the league this year. I but, think you are. I think that's but, but, yeah, <laughs> you look at the you look at the the attitude and you look at the players and you just think they just they just keep winning games. Like that's Clark been there a year and he's I think it was I think it was at seventy two points he's taken in a year. That's not quite title winning form, but it's not far off it. And that's kind of it's not a case of it being over ten games or over twenty games. It's over a full season's worth of. Games it was thirty eight games that was. You start looking at that and you're like, this year I think we were written off and we're kind of forgotten about. And the Still longer, been, yeah, the longer we can fly under fly under the radar, the better. The problem will be, um, you know, next week potentially um, next weekend Hamilton at home 
Celtic and uh, Hearts are not playing. If Hearts, um, well, Hearts have got the, the game in midweek, but if something goes wrong there, then we could we could go top of the league next weekend, and then it kind of would be impossible to suddenly overlook Kelly. I just think the resilience in that team is is something I've just never seen before. It's the first time in the club's history they've gone behind and won in four consecutive games, and it's like. Of course you can point that to one way of saying well you shouldn't be going behind against Dundee and you shouldn't be going behind against uh, St Mirren because they're not very good teams, Motherwell likewise. But at the same time... I don't think you can say that on an individual level, but you certainly can... You can say that it's something that you... It's not sustainable going behind in every game. It's going to get to a point where you don't come back yeah. for matches. So I think it's okay in individual cases. Okay, sometimes you're going to go behind to a weaker team, but if you're doing it every week, then yeah, that's, that's still... A, Problem, I would say. Yeah, and but the the thing is, it's it's teams that teams that do well, it's because they do they, they take the hits, they go behind like everyone else does, but they come back and win. And I just think you look across that team, and there's not only good players, but there's players that are experienced and players that have won league titles. I was looking at that when I was watching the game. Um, I'm trying to work it out, but O'Donnell won the first division title with Partick Thistle. Broadfoot, I Dicker. think, won the league with Rangers. Dicker, I think, won the league with Brighton. And he can't, yeah, he did, and he um, can't get in the team at the moment. Yeah, um, Power won the conference with Lincoln City. Um, Boyd obviously won the league with, with Rangers. Uh, Greg Stewart, I don't know if he ever won leagues with Cowden Beef or not, I couldn't quite remember. Um, Bright and Bukari won the league with Wolves last year. He just seems to have brought in a lot of players who have had a winning mentality. Um and I think you can see that. And that was probably certainly since the window closed and we brought in the, the you know, brought in Stuart and Tish Waller and made a big difference to the team. Saturday was the worst performance so far, but they still got the result. Um and that was I guess the most heartening thing, which is in the past, even last season I think we might have played badly and lost the game. But they've managed to play badly and still win. Yeah, I mean I think I think you can, if you can say both that, like Kelly rode their luck, um, but deserved it. I think you know that while we were talking refereeing decisions, the Simeon Jackson, uh, I mean it was a tight call, but but would have changed things significantly and wouldn't have been harsh given the. Given the way the game, I, I thought going. Ja- Jackson. If we if we talk about his men, I thought Jackson was fantastic. He's, he, he's look, he does look like he's, he's, you know, he does look like he, he will probably be enough to keep some. I think he's going to be an important player for them. Although he should have scored um, yeah, the previous chance. Yeah, the previous chance was that one 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 each. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he de- he's definitely got to score that. But I mean, I pointed him out a couple of weeks ago. Said that he looked like he had something about him, and I think that was just more evidence of it that he's he's. Uh, very likely going to be important for St Mirren. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, um, the signings that Kearney has made with the limited well, outside a transfer window, mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, you can laugh. At, I mean, maybe there was a little snigger at first when you see him bringing the likes of Anton Ferdinand and Adam Hamill, and you've not heard of these guys for ages, and you're thinking, why have they not got clubs? But um, Ferdinand. he's done well with um, the, 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 the limits placed on him by being outside the transfer window. Ferdinand played as well as I've seen any centre-half against, um, against Brophy and Stewart last season. And I think it was it was probably crucial to the result that he had to go off at half time, especially the brought, um, set piece goal. Yeah, and they brought McPherson on. Who McPherson's a, from what I gather is really a right sided midfielder who's occasionally been asked to play right back, and then they put Paul McGinn into centre half. 
long to avoid playing Alfie Jones, who um, presumably is that bad. Um, well, they've already sent back a couple of yeah, players that, uh, that Stubbs has signed. But and, yeah. that, that in general, if you touch on this set piece, like, that would be so frustrating. Both Achilles goals came from short corners. Who fuck knows uh, if it was a goal or not? Yeah. Nobody knows. There's a, <laughs> there's a picture I saw which made it look very much like it was a goal because you, you can kind of see Sam uh, Samson's hand and you can see the ball kind of on it and you can see where he was in relation to post but yeah we've never got a good angle to see if it was in um, uh, yeah I think I think in terms of that you've got to kind of give the, the benefit of the doubt to the guy who is there to make the decision I, I find it unlikely that he's just going to have guessed like I feel like he's not um, for, for all his faults Douglas Ross um, a despicable human being <laughs> that he may be um, did um, did make a decision and he's not referees aren't generally out there to go oh I think that was probably in it's more like I saw that cross the line because or, and maybe it, it's not to say he got it right because you can think something's happened that didn't you might have seen Craig Sampson's glove cross the line and thought it was a ball these things happen but I think he made the decision because he thought it was but uh, yeah, in his defence we've all watched it back a number of times and we, can't and we still can't tell ourselves but there's enough in it that you could say yeah yeah. yeah, and he obviously had a better view then, at the time of the goal, even though it's through a pack of uh, players. You, you've got to think that he's had a better view of it in the moment than anybody else has in the replay since. I mean, Ke- was it was it Kearney mentioned that they had looked at it back yeah. afterwards, or maybe he was talking well, about yeah. Jackson's. Was, one, that, was that like when he said that Jackson was a yard and a half yeah, on which, his side? And you're like, you're like, if anything, he's. I think he was offside, but if, well, things fortune showed it. The, he was certainly, no. certainly not a yard and a half onside. No, I'm no, not, no. I'm no idea what he thought he was watching for that to be the case. Um, and I do, it kind of make light of that, but I do worry when managers start coming out with that stuff because you start thinking like you're just getting desperate. Well, here. for the praise we've been giving him, he's still, he's still yet to pick up a win. I mean, mm-hmm. there are shoots of recovery there, but he's still to pick up a win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's harder to tell. I, I don't think he's got it as tough a job uh, as Jim McIntyre has I think he's been given a squad that are were bloated with players that were just nowhere near good enough I think the the standard at least the standard that the players he's brought in have played at previously and the fact he must he must have decent a decent contact book to be able to bring in players of that that stature suggests that Again, they're not going to be bad enough to be cut adrift at the bottom, and they'll they've already said, right. This was a little embarrassing. Let's all forget that the mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, the previous transfer window happened and moved people on. So there is space to to bring in guys like I, I, you know the the like I said, uh, Simeon Jackson looks like a real uh, um, a real handful. Uh, in the couple of games on that, he looks like he's playing a level above everyone else in that in that team. Um, Adam Fernandes getting better. Adam Hamill obviously out with with injury, but surprised that he was with without a club considering where he'd come from. Um, and if they can get another couple similarly in January, I think they'll be fine. There was uh, something today. I think it was just in the the rumor millers. One of the the. Papers, rumor mills. It said that Gabby Bomahor had turned down a Ladbrokes Premiership team, and he wouldn't sign for anybody but Rangers or Celtic or something like that. My immediate thought was, <laughs> just fits the bill with all the other recent signings. Right from a team who is or a manager still without a win to one who's still without a home win in the league this season. That's Stevie Robinson. Pressure's kind of ramping up on 
him at the moment, uh, especially given the way um, the season has been this season. 13 managers across the SPFL have already lost their job. Um, does Robinson have enough credit in the bank to, to keep going for a while longer? You shouldn't for me. Like I was looking at the league results and my God, they've been rotten for about a year. Like I think I looked and they basically the, the teams are beaten in the last year. It's like Dundee, Partick Thistle, Dundee, Partick Thistle, Ross County. <laughs> yeah, there was a great like, they, 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 What I was think, it? The, the Motherwell had as many, I can't remember exactly what it was, but across a certain period, Motherwell had as many wins at Dens Park or more wins at Dens Park than Dundee had or something <laughs> like that. that that's it, but it had, I think the last time they beat an even half-decent team was when they beat St Johnston in March. Um, they're just... You look at that Motherwell team and there's just no football in it. There's nobody... Um, we talked about um, Livingston and their, you know, being built on hard work and being built on attitude and that's fine, but they still have boys that you're like, well, you've got a bit about you. Like, Scott Robinson's a nice player. Keegan Jacobs. Jacobs is a nice player. Mm-hmm. Burn. Don't, don't have anything. Like, well, they're like, relying on a 19-year-old. Yeah, and, uh, and he's making like, his first couple of games and it's... <sighs> Who's um, for ever from what I've heard is a is a very good prospect, but um, it's it's not the ideal situation for him to be getting thrown in at this this kind of this kind of time. Yeah, I mean he 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 did look good, and and for I think it was his fourth or, or fifth start. That's kind of damning as much as anything. Um, they looked incredibly impotent. They just they're they're not. I mean they they made their they made their reputation or. or They've had the, the reputation for for being this like, physical side that can also play and can get the you know can play back to front and can hit you with pace and have a, a number of attacking outlets that but they they don't look like there are any attacking outlets at the moment they they look like um, they weren't there was no there was no movement off the ball it didn't look like. Uh, players were on the same wavelength. It didn't look like anyone was trying to get beyond. It didn't look like anyone was holding balls up. It didn't look like... But the, the sort of things that they've made their reputation for over the last couple of years, just we haven't seen any kind of example of that so far this season. And I think the the kind of performances in the Cups have papered over what has been some pretty horrendous form for quite some time. And I don't really know how they try and fix it because it doesn't seem like they're it doesn't seem like they're trying a bunch of new things. It seems like they're 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 sticking to That's one of the gripes of a lot of fans at the moment. Yeah, that's it's one of the gripes of a lot of fans at the moment that they want to see a move away from a back three. And yeah, uh, it's I just it's just persistent and persistent but this back three that, that and isn't players, working. You know, player, players playing out of position across the it, yeah. there's just not the squad. I think there was a moment that summed up Motherwell's season so far, which was Chris Cadden kinda of picking out a nice turn Bursting past a couple of people, breaking it in the box, and then like slicing his shot about yeah. fifteen yards wide from ten yards out. And, and Mame did something similar when he was in a decent position, well, and he last put it over the both bar. Of them going in there, and that's mm. that's partly what it is. But they just you worry about them because you look at some of the other teams, and you're like, well, they've got ways to change it up. But you look at Mullard when it's not about it's not just how do they change up because the. Well, the only player I can think of that we've not seen a lot of is um, Alex Rodriguez, or this um, Spanish boy who came yeah. from Wellington. Um, we've not really seen much of him, and maybe he's not any good, but at least he's a footballer. Um, and you just feel like they just need to need to change something just for a bit of freshness. Um, I think I think the the most worrying thing for me for Motherwell is Dundee will 
fix will make an attempt at fixing things in January definitely like and, def- and, and they can't get worse like, they just cannot get any worse than they are at the moment um, I think uh, Hamilton have a way of like battling out of these things and will do something weird they'll lose six games in a row and then they'll beat Hibs or something yeah and they'll, 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 they'll do it. yeah and they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll get eight points from a run of games and they'll, they'll be just fine um, St Mirren again I think they look like their recruitment's decent enough that they'll they'll fix things in January I think there is a there probably isn't the pressure um, at Motherwell on the manager that there, there should be and he's not fixed it he's not he's not changed anything he's not reacted to anything and they're, they're trying you know the keep doing the same thing and expecting for different results is, is the way of madness and that seems to be their tactic and the more they persist with that, the more it must be frustrating to players, fans, everything, mm-hmm. and it just could get, it could unravel quite quickly. But this was both, uh, this was two teams that needed a result, and after uh, Tommy Wright was, um, saw St Johnston beaten 6 0 by Celtic a couple of weeks ago, and he came in, he maybe weighed up that um, Motherwell weren't going to be able to punish them, even if they sat off them, and it seems like that was their tactic in this game to sit off, try and get something. Uh, from one of their few chances and that's exactly what happened well, I think they're just resilient from St Johnson it's what you come to expect from them four defeats in a row albeit two against Celtic one against uh, Rangers one against Hearts so four good teams but they immediately forget about it and bounce back and okay it wasn't a pretty performance but even if they got the 0-0 they'd have been happy enough with that and then she obviously sneak the goal at the end whereas Motherwell wouldn't have been I don't want to go back to Motherwell but Motherwell I mean it's okay it's a sickening goal at the end to lose especially the man who lose it with the guy off the pitch but even a 0-0 is not a good result for them and that doesn't placate the fans any more yeah. than that 1-0 does well maybe marginally, maybe marginally. Point, but yeah it's um, <laughs> yeah so it's in it's like they've, they've been they've been good at, on the eye at times this season they were not good on the eye at all on Saturday but they, they did what they needed to do and I think that's the difference you can still be a an attractive team at times, but you need to earn the right to be attractive, which sometimes means going when you've had a bad run of form, going back to basics and doing what they did, and and they did it well. And they had a guy who again Murray Davidson charging through the midfield like a kind of big gazelle or something. He's a sort of, he's the most awkward looking player in Scottish football, I think, but he's very effective. And and it's a shame the way his career's gone again with so many injuries because he's a player who I think would have gone really far. Um, he got one cap for Scotland. I think he might have had a few more. He might have, with no disrespect to St Johnson, ended up somewhere mm. bigger had it not been for the fact that he can't run to string together a run of more than about 10 games at a time. Yeah. I mean, I think it must be... It'll be encouraging for, for St Johnson that they came for a point and they just... I don't know if you can say they stole it because Motherwell seemed to be intent on giving them it. Um <laughs> But it, it it was encouraging after the way that they completely fell apart against Celtic and they were just absolutely horrendous. They looked an awful lot more. They looked more like a Tommy Wright side, and it's they've not looked much like a Tommy Wright side this season. Yeah, there was a chance they could have maybe got dragged into that team, the, the group of four they were talking about. But that that result just shows you that they've got enough about them to kind of pull themselves away from that and be mid-table at worst they're not going to be in a relegation battle I don't think I think I'm right in saying that that bottom four none of them have been any of the other teams in the league this season I could be wrong with that but I don't think Dundee's only win 
was against Dundee and won. Dundee beat Hamilton, Hamilton beat Motherwell, Simmerin beat, beat, beat Dundee, and Motherwell beat Dundee. So I don't think any of them have. I never checked this before. Right, I don't think any of them have been any of the other teams. Well, they don't have too many uh, more points from what we've just listed there. So I'm not. I think that's that's something that um, might be interesting to keep an eye on as to whether at any point any of them are actually able to beat anyone else. Right. Any other business guys? Uh, Championship's looking interesting again, Ross County. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, what we're going to do is, that's a nice wee teaser. We are going to go do Patreon and we'll it's do... P-Wall. Exactly. It's <laughs> 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 a nice reference, nice, re- timely reference. Uh, so we're going to go do the Patreon and we'll do, we'll do some Championship and League One chat in the form of winners and losers. But I'll just wrap up by saying um, you can get us on all the usual channels, uh, we're going to be on patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast if you want to come and sign up and listen to us there. And we will be back again on Thursday with an Edinburgh show, I think. Um, and all that's left to do is say bye. Cheerio. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.